Reading this morning from the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, he said. Turn eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered ravens to feed you there. So Elijah did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Now, that's a pretty sweet deal Elijah has going here for him during this time. Not a lot of stress, not a lot of tension. He's chilling out under the trees by the brook, hanging out, doesn't have to go anywhere, doesn't have to do anything. Every morning, birds fly in, dropping off bread and meat, and every evening, they do the same. Pretty sweet gig. Now, I get a kick out of, obviously, uh, birds don't make bread. So uh, clearly they were stealing it from somebody else, <laughs> which I think is pretty funny. You know, some lady sends her bread out to, da 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 hey, <laughs> take it off. So uh, this kept up and it was great. He drank water from the brook. Beautiful, wonderful, fabulous situation. Life is good. We all love it when life is good, right? And you hope things will just stay good forever. No challenges, no changes. But then we read the very next verse that says, Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And now Elijah was forced to make a change. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about what happens when change is forced on you. Now, change, something most people don't really enjoy much. People seem to fight change at every turn. We don't like to, even when people are miserable, it's like they would prefer to stay miserable than heaven forbid change because they don't want to change. We don't like change. We've been studying on our Wednesday night Bible studies, uh, the children of Israel that uh, Moses had brought up out of Egypt. Here they had been slaves for 430 years and brutally mistreated by the Egyptians had very little say over their own lives. Finally, Moses comes along and says, let my people go. And they kick butt and take names, man, and everything's falling from the sky. And finally, Pharaoh goes, well, okay, take them. So he takes them and he brings them out into the wilderness and gets ready to take them into a land, the Bible says, that was flowing with milk and honey, the promised land. But amazingly, the entire time, these people whined and complained I wish we were back in Egypt. <laughs> I wish we'd have died in Egypt. I mean, these guys were whiners and complainers at a level you cannot imagine. Read it. It's a stunning story. God finally got so ticked off at them all. He said, all right, you guys are just going to wander around in circles for 40 years until you all die off and then your kids can go in. And that's exactly what happened. That's why they wandered in the desert for 40 years in the wilderness. It was only, it was a very short trip to get to where they wanted to go, but they had to wander until they all keeled off, and then uh, the next generation went in. And make no mistake, there is something amazing. People oftentimes are more familiar and cherish the misery that they know and are afraid of the blessings that they don't know, something you don't want to do. The Bible warns us not to be like those people, by the way. 
Because when we come to God and we're coming to faith and God starts taking in new directions in your life, it can be a little disconcerting. Sometimes people are more wanting to go back to their old patterns and their old ways of life. More familiar with them. Why? Because we hate change. Even people of faith hate change. You know, churches, you know, look around you. I mean, there's some churches, man, they haven't changed anything in 500 years. They just, everything, exactly the same. And we sing the same songs and the same this and that. Even I remember when we uh, first became Christians uh, back in the early 70s, back when the dinosaurs were still roaming the earth. And uh, we... uh, they were basically hippies and stuff like that. We came into the church and it was great. It was so cool to learn about Jesus and stuff like that. But then we brought what we thought was some cool stuff. We brought guitars into church and drums and stuff like that. And did people ever have a cow? Some of you guys remember that. Back, it seems like one of the biggest arguments in Christianity was throughout the 70s and 80s was the music. You remember that? stupid stuff finally those people died and went to their eternal rewards thank god (laughs) i mean god bless them but seriously the world's dying and going to hell and the biggest concern is they brought a guitar in the church we can't have that (laughs) you know anything outside an organ and a piano is always heresy outrageous inconceivable Goodness gracious. I finally got out of the way. I wonder if that's what our kids are thinking about you and me. <laughs> Can't wait till Mark and Lathan die. Praise God, we can do this thing right. <laughs> uh, if they're smiling at our funeral, slap them for us, would you? <laughs> change. <laughs> we don't like change. You know, much of what we get in our lives from God uh, is a matter of what we reap and what we sow. I talk about this all the time. Um, People get what they put into life. And amazingly, it's as if people today have no connection to that. That's why I talk about it so much. It's like, you know, people, their lives stink. And I say, why does my life stink? Because of what you're doing. And they don't want to change what they're doing. I deal with this all the time. We deal with this every day. People come to us, you know, and they want better lives, but they don't want to change what they're doing. Heaven forbid, I don't want to change. I like what I'm doing. I want different results, which is, of course, the definition of insanity. But we get what we put in. You put in bad, you're going to get out bad. That's why we warn people, man, do the right things. Do the right things. Well, God loves me. I know he loves you, but you still got to do the right things if you're going to expect God to really bless your life. So sometimes change comes in our lives as God helps us to grow and we start doing the right things and get rid of the past and start stepping in new directions. Uh, sometimes change happens, uh, not really even so much from reaping and sowing and that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's just from stupid. As Forrest Gump liked to say, stupid is as stupid does. We do really stupid things. And, we get, and, and my life is just, I, you know, someday I need to write a book of, all of my life. <laughs> I'm giggling because I'm thinking of the title of the book. Can I tell them? I'll tell them the title. You guys can handle it. <laughs> I, told, I want to write my life story. Someday it's going to be called From an Ass to an Asset. 
<laughs> but I'm still waiting for the second half to kick in. So, I, you know, as a, it's, it's, it's taking a while. What can I tell you? But uh, I'll sell copies at my funeral. Anyway, uh, you know, we do goofy things. You know, sometimes, you know I've, I've done so many dumb things in my life. Just stupid things you do and mistakes you make. And you can't blame God for it. You know, and it's, it's just that it's not from some long-term past. It's just stupid. You do stupid stuff, you're going to get stupid results. We get ourselves in trouble. Uh, one of my favorite stupid stories I like to share is when, uh, <clears throat> again, back in the early 70s when we were traveling around the country doing, uh, uh, you know, campaigns and stuff that we were doing with, uh, you know, churches and stuff and having big rallies and sharing our faith and stuff. Uh, we, uh, one winter, were staying up in the hills of Tennessee. We had a friend who owned some property up in the hills of Tennessee, and we were camping out there for a couple of months uh, in between meetings. And uh, this was literally up where the hillbillies live. Now, I always thought that was a joke, you know, hee-haw and that kind of stuff, you know, but they're really there. They are, man. The lady, we had to drive past her house, you know, to get to the property, and she's rocking on the front porch smoking a corncob pipe. Just looking at you, just... The guy down the street had his own still. I mean, this is like hillbilly heaven, man. Or hell as the chase may be. But uh, um, anyway, to get back to this land where we were camping out, you had to cross these dry creek beds. There were two big dry creek beds, and uh, you get back there. Now, the deal was that if it rained, the creek beds would fill up. And uh, if you drive, tried to drive across it, and you didn't have a tight distributor cap or something, water would get up in there, and you'd stall in the middle of a little creek. And... You know, that was kind of miserable. That's where they get the saying, you know, Lord willing and a creek don't rise. You ever hear that? And it's, that's, that's what it comes from. Because if, if uh, you know, are you going to be at such and such? Lord willing, the creek don't rise. That's because if the creek rose, you didn't go anywhere. Because we get too high. And uh, anyway, this particular day, it had been raining all day long. And uh, it was, uh, I don't know, what, 10 o'clock at night. And I was feeling all stressed out. And I, man, I need, to, I need to make this phone call. And of course, we didn't have cell phones and stuff back in those prehistoric days. So uh, I wanted to get into town because I wanted to make this phone call and I was all stressed out about it. And uh, I called uh, over to a friend who was camping with us. I said, hey man, can I borrow your truck? Uh, because it had a real tight distributor cap and stuff, a pickup truck. And he said, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So uh, I hopped in the truck and I, I'm driving. And I'm, I'm talking, it's black out there. Black, 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 black. You can't see any. There's no, there's no street lamps up in these hills. There's no, and, and then, you know, heavy cloud cover from the rain and stuff. No stars, no nothing. It was just nothing you know they they, they, they had these uh this cool roll bars with these lights on top of the pickup truck and the lights would just go and disappear into nothing and i'm kind of cruising along and i come up to the first creek bed and i said okay here it goes so i back up and just hammered it the water and just water spraying everywhere it would have made a cool jeep commercial you know and i come out on the other side it was cool you know so I go down a little bit, and here comes the second one, and I'm looking, and you can't, you can't see anything. I said, okay, well, here it goes. So, about halfway across, it stalls. I go, oh, man. And I drop my head on the steering wheel, and I look down, and I noticed that water was coming in. But how deep is this? And I looked up, and the lights on the roll bar were hitting the, the bank on the other side and I noticed that the bank was moving. 
And, you know, for a second, your brain doesn't quite hit it. You know what I'm saying? And then it dawns on me, I'm moving. <laughs> ah! Apparently, this thing had gotten so full, it turned into a little river. You ever see these pictures? You know, these idiots get stuck in the middle of cricks and these. <laughs> Hi, mom. And uh, so all of a sudden, here I am, and I'm, I just skimmed along the top of this thing, and now I'm floating downstream. I go, ah! So I tried to open the door. I couldn't open it up. It wasn't strong enough. Thank heavens. If I would, water would have rushed and pinned me down, and I'd probably drown. And I go, Ugh! And I, so I rolled down the window, and I climbed out, and I, I stood up on top of the cab, and I started pacing back and forth, which was a pretty short pace. <laughs> Nowhere to go, you know. I go, ah! Ah! And I'm just standing there in the rain, going downstream, going, and then it hits me. I'm headed for a dam. Ah! And oh God, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Lord, help me! And and uh, but before the dam comes, there's this big bend in the in the creek, and I built up enough speed that as when we hit that curve, I kept going straight, and the uh, water come around. I'm going, come on, come on, come on, come on! It finally bumped up against a tree, and I jumped on the tree. <gasps> And then I slid down into the water. I finally touched the ground. Oh, thank you, God. And then I started walking through the water in the mud, trying to get out of there. I mean, it's pitch black. And all I could think of was water moccasins. You know, these poisonous snakes that they have down there. And, and, the, and the theme from Jaws starts going through my head. Dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. I was like, oh God, please don't let me die with the snakes. And I finally get out. I look like a drowned rat by the time I got out of the truck, sank to the bottom. The guy's still mad about it, actually. <laughs> I talk to him every once in a while. First thing he says, Gunger, you suck my truck. <laughs> let it go, man. Let it go. Sorry, that was just stupid stuff. You know, you can't blame God for that. God, why'd you let that happen? He's like, I didn't make it happen. You're an idiot. But then there's times when things happen in our lives that have little to nothing to do with us. It's, it's not a, a result of growing in your faith, of, of reaping or sowing. It's, it's not a result of some stupid thing you did. It just happens to you. I call it forced change because it comes from nothing of our own doing. Now, forced change can be pretty frustrating for people, particularly because it's out of your control. You have no control. You know, it just happens to you for what, whatever reason. We're going to look at some of the reasons in a minute. And, and it's very frustrating. Although I have to tell you, when force change falls on you and when it happens to me, at least I'm, I always feel it's kind of liberating to me in a great way because it's not my fault. I didn't do it. You know what I'm saying? You know, when you do something because you're stupid, it's one thing, or you weren't doing the right thing, or you know, that, then you got to own that, and that's hard enough. But when change just comes on you, it has nothing to do with what you're doing, it's kind of liberating uh, to me. I remember when we first uh, came to Green Bay, you know, the church was in a transition time, the church was in the red, and the attendance was down, and some good friends of mine were saying, don't go, don't go there, you know, it's a bad situation. I said, no, 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 I'm, I believe God wants us to come, and it's going to be great. Uh, but for the first couple of months, it was a little creepy, and, and we weren't sure how to handle it. And I'd have these guys call me and, and say, man, are, are you nervous? Are you freaking out? Are you sleeping okay? I said, well, I'm, I'm fine. He said, really? How come? I said, 
it's not my fault. <laughs> I didn't do it, you know. I just, you know, it was kind of liberating. Now, I got to tell you, the longer I'm here, the more pressure I feel. Because, <laughs> well, you know, now it's Marky's dumb idea, you know what I'm saying? But uh, it's, it's kind of freeing to me when you're in a situation where things are, you know, it's not because of anything you've done. It's always kind of liberating to me. Uh, but, you know, the reason I want to talk about this morning is... Uh, and by the way, I'm not about to make some horrible announcement. I had some lady come up to me afterwards. She said, oh, that whole first service. I thought you were going to announce that you are going to leave us or something. And then, first of all, I laughed. I said, <laughs> ain't nobody going to put up with me but you people. You know, so I, I don't know what you're worried about. But uh, so I'll just warn you, there's no big announcement here. I'm, the reason I'm talking about this is, uh, is because during the uncertain times in which we live, with the economy and all the challenges that are going on, there's going to be a lot of forced changes that will be pushed on people that has absolutely nothing to do with them. It's not because of a bad decision you made. It's not because of, uh, you know, whatever else. These are things out of your control, but yet you've got to deal with them. There's forced changes that are going on. And, uh, and what I want to do encourage you as we take a look at how, why some of these things happen is to challenge you to stay in a place of faith. And I got to tell you, uh, how blessed I am to be part of this congregation. Because as I travel around the country, and I do a lot of traveling, and I speak at uh, some of the largest countries, uh, churches in the country, and, you know, pastors are asking me, they say, well, man, how you doing? You know, are you guys doing okay up in Green Bay? And I said, yeah, why? He says, well, you know, a lot of these guys have lost 20, 30, 40% of their incomes in the churches, and they're really having a hard time. And uh, uh, they said, well, how much have you lost? And I, I go, we haven't lost anything. And they just, you know, they're stunned. And I got to tell you how blessed I am to be with a bunch of people who don't make decisions based on fear. And you're trusting God and doing the right thing and keeping connected with him. And you say, well, pastor's probably because of the economy. No, hey, this economy thing is a downturn. It takes a while for a lot of these things. We had churches that were uh, immediately having cuts in income uh, the minute the stock market went down. Well, there's no way that affects people. It takes a while for that. You know, it might eventually catch up to all to whole kinds of people. But that was all just fear. Things are bad. So you get afraid. And they're afraid. And they start hoarding. And, get, you know, and you guys haven't done that. You are wonderful, wonderful people. I feel very, very blessed to be here in Wisconsin with you. The weather stinks. <laughs> but I'd rather be on an iceberg with people of faith than on a beach with people who freak out about life. So praise God for that. The good news is summer is eventually coming. Two weeks later, winter begins again, and then we... <laughs> All right, let's take a look at some of the possible causes for forced change in our life. Number one, sometimes God will bring forced change into your life. Really, it's nothing about what you're doing. It's just God determines, I want to point you in a different direction. In Revelations, the third chapter, verse 8, Jesus said this, writing to the churches. He says, I, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. So when God decides to open and close doors according to his will, nobody can shut them or open them. And I've shared with you many, many times. That's enough. You don't have to read the rest of it. Uh, I've shared with you many times. This is how God leads and directs my life. Always has. You know, I've used the analogy. It's like God closes every window and door in the house, opens one door, and lights the house on fire. And then I feel led to go somewhere, you know, because what else are you going to do? 
And uh, again, a lot of, a lot of stress-free environment. For, I mean, there's no other choice. What are you going to do? You got no other choice. You got to do what you got to do. It, it's, uh, again, to me, it's somewhat liberating. But sometimes people get frustrated with God when he forces change on them. But you're a follower of Christ, and you can rest assured that God always has your best interests at heart. You know, I remember uh, not too many years ago, I was, I was not in ministry. I had been out of ministry for a very long time, almost 20 years. I hadn't preached or taught or anything, and I had my own business and stuff. We were ha- having fun and raising the kids and, and just enjoying life. And then everything started falling apart, and everything went wrong, and it's like, you know, I'm sitting by the tree and drinking from the brook and birds are bringing me sandwiches every day. You know, my life was blessed. It was great. And all of a sudden the creek dries up and it forces change on you. And uh, I didn't get bitter. I didn't get angry at God. I said, well, God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Because he wasn't answering my prayers. I said, Pastor, do you believe in God answering prayers? Absolutely. But sometimes no is an answer. And uh, things weren't happening and it forced me to make a change. It's the very reason I got back in ministry again because every other door in my life slammed shut. I thought, I looked at Debbie, I said, maybe we're supposed to go back to ministry. And she looked at me like I was crazy, you know. And, uh, but honestly, if God had answered all my prayers at that time, I wouldn't be here this morning. Sometimes God will bring forced change into your life, will box you in where there's only one other direction you can go. Don't fight it, just trust God go with it. He has your best interests at heart. You say, well, Pastor, what if it isn't God? What if, it's, what if it's the enemy of our soul? What if Satan is attacking us? Well, that's point number two. Sometimes change comes when Satan comes against us. We read about that in Acts, the eighth chapter. Now, this is where Saul, uh, the first persecutor of the church, who eventually becomes Paul, the apostle, who wrote most of the New Testament, uh, he was very anti-Christian, hated them, He had just uh, had Stephen, the first martyr, stoned to death. We read about it here. It says in verse 1, And Saul was there at Stephen's death, giving approval. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now check this out. All the Christians at the time were hanging out in Jerusalem. And uh, they were all happy and just having a great time. Gospel wasn't going anywhere. They were just all chilling out there and having these gigantic churches. And uh, all of a sudden, boom, this hammer comes. The enemy comes against them, starts persecuting them. They all scatter like cockroaches. Well, godly men buried Stephen, the one who just died, and they mourned deeply for him. And then Saul, good old Saul, goes to start to destroy the churches. He goes from house to house, drags off men and women, and throws them into prison just because they believe in Jesus. But look at verse 4. The next verse, he says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. This was the beginning of Christianity changing the world. I think if Satan, who doesn't seem to be particularly bright at times, had known this, he would not have incited persecution against the church. He'd have left them alone. At least they'd have just stayed in one place. But he comes against them, and then God takes this and uses this, and they go everywhere and preach the gospel all over the world. It's an amazing thing. Even when the enemy comes against you, God can still turn it around. But it's forced change. These guys, God didn't bring the change on them, even in this case. They had no control. They had to run for their lives. But they didn't give up on their faith. It was forced change. 
You say, well, pastor, what about when, when uh, if, if you don't know if it's God or the devil? Well, maybe it's neither. Maybe it's just life. Maybe it's the economy. Just something happens to you. Well, that's number three. That's when just it comes and you don't know why it comes. Might have nothing to do with any of these things. All you know is that all of a sudden you're in a situation where you have to change your life. And make no mistake, a lot of people, some of you, I know I've been talking to you, I've been forced, you know, a change, life isn't turning out exactly the way you thought. I mean, stop and think, if you were getting ready to turn 65 and working for the last 30, 35 years of your life, saving, you had all this money saved up in stock market, and all of a sudden, half your income is gone. Ouch. Now you can't retire and you've got to keep working, and that's a change. You say, well, why did God do? Why did God do this to me? No, it's not God doing it to you. It's just forced change. Situations out of your control. Businesses that are all of a sudden having to shut the doors and belly up. People that are having to be let go. Sometimes you're the one who has to let them go, and it's miserable. Sometimes you're the one being let go, and it's, it's disconcerting. So, well, Pastor, how, how do you handle that? When, when all this stuff is going, it seems like there's no control. Well, Proverbs says this. One of the Proverbs, there's some scriptures that you ought to just memorize. You should be able to just rattle them off verbatim. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is one of those. It says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. What does that mean? Don't try and figure it out. Don't try and figure it out. Some of you are just burning just huge amounts of energy. Sitting up later, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? I don't know. And you're just burning and worrying and all this stuff. Just chill out. Relax. Don't lean on your own understanding. So what do I do? Well, it says in the next verse, it says, In all your ways acknowledge God in your life, and he will make your paths straight. He knows how to intervene whether he's bringing the change, whether the enemy's bringing the change in your life, or just circumstances outside of your control, all you know is the creek has dried up, the birds aren't bringing food anymore, and you've got to move, just like Elijah did. You need a change. You have to do something. It can be disconcerting. It can be fearful at the time, but don't be afraid. Jesus said this to his disciples. Don't let your heart be troubled. Why would he say that? He said, well, my heart's, I'm freaking out, I'm freaking out, I'm doing this. No, 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 you're letting that happen to you. He says, you need to make a choice. You need to make a decision. I refuse to be afraid. I refuse to let this tear me apart on the inside. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. You set a wall there. No, 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 no. He says, you trust in God, trust in me. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Again, change is uncomfortable. I get it. But you'll never be alone. You'll never be abandoned. I'm going to invite the uh, ushers at all the campuses to come forward, get ready to serve communion, and all the musicians get ready as well. There's this wonderful promise in the New Testament. Another one of these scriptures that you ought to have memorized. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things, everybody say all things. In all things. You mean even bad things? You mean terrible things? You mean passive on this thing? Yes, in all things. No matter what happens to you, no matter what the cause, no matter where it comes from, no matter what the source, be it the economy, be it just who knows what it is, you can rest assured that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. 
God is able to take any circumstance and turn it around in your favor. No matter what the situation, trust in him. Refuse to be afraid. Continue to put your faith in God. So, Pastor, we're going through these changes. It's very uncomfortable. I get it. Change is uncomfortable. I've been there many, many, many times. But I got to tell you, every time, after every painful adjustment, after every new direction, after every change in the wind, my life has been so much better than it was before the change. Why? Because in all things, all things, God is able to take any circumstance in your life and turn it around for your good. That is cool. That is the joy of being a believer in Jesus Christ, being a Christian, of being a follower of God. Because he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. It's a wonderful thing. But what about you this morning? The real question boils down to, are you a believer? Do you believe this stuff or don't you? Maybe you're here this morning and Maybe this is the first time you've even heard stuff like this. You think, well, man, I, I haven't even been to church in 15, 20 years. You know, I, I haven't been paying much attention to God in my life lately. Well, you're here this morning, and you're not here by accident. When you walked in this morning, God didn't go, oh, check it out. Never thought he'd show up. <laughs> you guys know he was coming? I didn't know he was coming. No, you're here this morning. You're here for a reason. God's reaching out to you this morning and what he wants to say to you is I love you and I'll make a promise if you trust me I will never ever ever let you fall have you made that decision in your life to trust Jesus Christ we're about to pray a prayer together as we take communion communion is one of the foundational things of Christianity that we do it's a time when we reflect on the body of Jesus that was broken for us, his, his blood that was shed so we could have forgiveness of sin. None of this would be possible had Jesus not died for us. We could never have that relationship with God that comes through faith had he not done that incredible sacrifice. That's what we're about to celebrate. But have you taken advantage of that sacrifice? Have you surrendered your heart and life to him? I'm going to invite everybody everywhere at all the campuses to bow their heads and we're going to pray a prayer together and I'm going to invite everybody to pray it but Perhaps you've never really experienced God's grace and forgiveness in your life. But if you're willing to turn away from what you know is wrong in your life and put your faith in Jesus, you can experience this wonderful, wonderful life that I'm talking about. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you loved me so much, you went to the cross, and you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. I now surrender to you. Amen.